It's been a long winter, but spring is just around the corner. With warmer weather comes the risk of severe storms. On this episode, hear how you can be prepared for tornadoes and other natural disasters. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. Living in Kansas can mean drastic changes in the weather in a short period of time. So although we recently saw a pretty serious winter storm with sub-zero temperatures, a very different situation this week. And as we make our way into spring, we can expect to start seeing some rain and thunderstorms. Johnson County is ready. Here with me today, Trent Pittman with our Emergency Management and Communications Division and Andy Bailey, Warning Coordination Meteorologist for the National Weather Service. First off, um, could you just both talk about how the county and our, our whole region actually, you know, prepares for severe weather? As Teresa mentioned, I work at the National Weather Service in, in Pleasant Hill, and we cover all of eastern Kansas and western Missouri. And we have severe weather preparedness week, March 1st through 5th of this year. And that's really the week that we use to, to really kick off preparedness for severe thunderstorms, flash flooding, and of course, tornadoes. What we ask people to do is to, first of all, make a plan. Talk with their, if they don't have a plan at work, talk with their coworkers about where will we go, when severe weather strikes, how will we receive our warnings? And then at home, have that same conversation, whether it's around the dinner table at night uh, with everybody there, just, hey, when a tornado warning is issued, we're gonna go down in this part of the basement and you know, you just go do that. The, also, the other thing that might be good to do, um, I have to do it every year, is to go down there and make sure my tornado shelter is clean and that my basement didn't accumulate boxes over the winter. And certainly after a pretty slow, severe weather season last year, it probably warrants looking at again. Trent's laughing, but uh, it's the truth. So um, we were going to have, we are actually going to have a live tornado drill on Tuesday morning, uh, March 2nd at 10 a.m. You'll probably hear storm sirens going off, weather radios will go off. You may hear the TV stations do the, the EAS tones with the crawl messages. And what we're asking people may be a little bit different than we have in years past. In years past, we have said, use this drill as an opportunity to go shelter just as you would were it real severe weather, were it a real tornado. This year with the pandemic uh, still going on, we're telling people maybe instead of crowding all of your coworkers into one small room, maybe it's better to what we call a tabletop exercise and just talk about, okay, when the warning is issued, here's where we're gonna go. And you, know, you could probably do it in a socially uh, responsible way and do it just a few people at a time, just to make sure everybody's aware where the shelter's at how they're gonna receive the alert, that sort of thing. So um, maybe just a little bit different this year, have a little bit different feel, but it's still achievable and still will help everyone understand what they need to do once those warnings are issued. All right, Trent, if you wanna talk about what Johnson County's doing in coordination with that. Yeah, no, uh, Johnson County will be observing the severe weather uh, preparedness week, also March uh, 1st through the 5th. And in coordination with the National Weather Service, uh, we will be participating in the statewide tornado drill uh, with an activation of the outdoor warning sirens on Tuesday, March 2nd at 10 a.m. Uh, that test will be in addition to the regularly scheduled uh, Wednesday 11 a.m. test that we'll be doing the following day. Uh, so we'll have two tests that week, uh, weather permitting. Uh, in addition to the activation of the outdoor warning sirens, 
We will also be uh, doing the countywide uh, test of the mass notification system, Notify Joko. Uh, especially on that angle, we, uh, we're encouraging everyone to um, take some time this week and over the weekend uh, to update your information at Notify Joko. Maybe you've moved, need to update your address, maybe you have a new phone number to add in there. It's always a good opportunity to take uh, to make sure that you can update that information to make sure you can receive the test. Uh, so you can receive uh, those emergency alerts um, when an actual emergency occurs. All right. Can you talk a little bit more about what exactly is Notify Joko and how people get signed up for that? Yeah, Notify Joko is Johnson County's mass emergency notification system. Uh, it's a partnership with a number of jurisdictions and departments across uh, Johnson County. Um, the, we encourage everyone uh, in Johnson County to take some time, opt into the system. Uh, you can go to notifyjoco.org and register um, and put phone numbers, addresses in there for, for different locations in Johnson County to make sure you can receive uh, those uh, emergency alerts uh, for those areas. Uh, a good example is maybe uh, to put your home address in, maybe um, your child's school address, as well as uh, the work address. Uh, uh, I know a lot of us are working at home right now, but it's always important to make sure you got the, those alerts uh, wherever you are working um, so you can receive those emergency alerts as well, not just the ones at your house. Can I interrupt and ask you a quick question about that? Yeah. Will that alert you just for the locations that you enter in? Like, you know, if there's a warning that's not part of your county, will it just single out your part of the county? And yes, uh, as long as it's a polygon or polygon-based uh, warning, um, when you sign up for that, it will just alert you if you are in that polygon. That's awesome. That Yeah, this is unscripted, but I would totally encourage everybody to do that because that is the best way to get your warnings because you're not going to be woken up by stuff that doesn't apply to you. Maybe it's on the other side of the county or something. So cool. I learned yeah, something. Pretty slick. It's pretty slick. Very nice. good information. And it's not just severe weather necessarily that you will get notifications about. You can sign up for different kinds of notifications. So do you want to talk about that too while we're on that topic, Trent? Yeah. Uh, another popular one that people sign up for a lot is public safety uh, notifications. You know, if uh, if something is happening uh, and local police and sheriff's office need to contact you about a public safety issue that's kind of specific to your neighborhood or several neighborhoods, they can actually get into the system, draw a, a more localized polygon, and then only those uh, residents who've opted in and, and are identified in that area will receive that, uh, that notification. All right, great information. And of course, there's more on that website if you want more details about that system. So um, Andy, as you mentioned last year, we didn't hear have a, a terribly um, hectic storm season. Can you talk a little bit about how that compared to previous years? Yeah, well, um, you know, we don't have to go too far back prior to last year to talk about some big tornadoes. In fact, um, if, if folks remember, it was May 28th of 2019, we had the tornado that moved from uh, just south, southwest of Lawrence to Linwood, Kansas, and really lifted just uh, to the northwest of Johnson County. That thing was a monster. And we were, while it was devastating, while it was on the ground, we were really quite lucky it didn't stay on the ground and, and track all the way through Kansas City metropolitan area. It did drop another tornado. That storm did kind of up in the um, Kearney area, uh, maybe an hour and a half or so after it had lifted in Kansas. And, uh, you know, that thing was a monster EF4 tornado. It was wrapped in rain. You couldn't see it come at you. It just looked like a wall of, of water coming at you. 
and it really highlights the importance of having ways to receive warnings because you couldn't go outside and actually see the tornado in, in most instances. Um, you know, that was that really capped off a year of intense river flooding. That was there was horrendous flooding all over eastern Kansas um, from the rains that we had had. It was just a very active severe weather season. So it was honestly quite nice to have a breather from it uh, in, in 2020. But yeah, typically, I mean, anybody that's lived in Kansas for any period of time knows that tornadoes are to be expected and, and we should be planning for them. So even though we had a quiet year last year, we really do need to prepare for them as if we are expecting them again this year because it's Kansas, it's going to happen. Yeah, and it was kind of nice to have a, a breather from the severe weather, especially with the pandemic. So many people were focused on that and probably felt like we've had enough. You know, we don't need anything more on top of this. So yeah, I agree. That was a that was a nice break. But um, if you don't practice those skills of, of running down to a basement and and having flashlights and things like that all ready to go, then you can you know, it'll be here before you know it and you're not ready. We usually activate the um, County Emergency Operations Center for severe weather eight to 10 times a year. Uh, and last year we had to activate it a single time in May. And I don't believe, Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe we had a single tornado watch. Wow. Yeah, I don't know about watches, but out of the seven Kansas counties we won for, we didn't have any tornadoes in any of those counties last year. Pretty unusual. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, another way that we definitely prepare uh, the county and in the region is is relying on our storm spotters and and getting them up to date on the, the latest there as well. And I know that training looked a lot different or is looking a lot different this year. Can you talk about that? I know uh, our storm spotters in Johnson County, the organization we work with, um, Johnson County ECS, uh, uh, they participated. It was a great, uh, great opportunity to kind of get back into the swing of severe weather because like we just touched on, uh, last year was kind of a, kind of a quiet year, uh, abnormally quiet uh, to the extreme last year. So, um, you know, and then we've all been focused on, uh, on this uh, pandemic issue that we've had for the past year now. And, uh, you know, we got, we got lucky last year with the quiet severe weather. So, um, you know, getting back into being prepared for severe weather and how we're going to operate uh, uh, severe weather operations even during uh, the pandemic has been been fascinating and uh, Andy's presentation did a great job getting us back into uh, getting us back into the swing of things for that. You know normally uh, we go to 30 or so different sites around our forecast area in the 44 counties that we warn for every spring and deliver in-person training it's usually a couple hours long and we ask our counties that really restrict it to just their core spotting groups. It's not for the general public, it's for the, the spotter networks that the counties maintain. And that's really our most effective way of doing the training. But clearly with the pandemic going on, uh, my agency doesn't allow me to go out and, and to conduct training like that. Um, we're taking extraordinary precautions to limit the impact of COVID on our office. And so we had to come up with another way. So we, we are conducting virtual training sessions um, at eight, eight different days, uh, really once a week for eight weeks in February and March. And, and Johnson County, I believe, sat in our first one in the first week in February. And we always enjoy uh, doing the spotter training at Johnson County for a couple of reasons. A, they are, um, Johnson County is among our best prepared when it comes to managing spotters. So Trent and his folks do a fantastic job of working with the ECS group. There's a lot of training. They have a very rigid and rigorous set of criteria they have to meet in order to be in, accepted into the, into the spotting group. But then when we go out and deliver the training to that group, 
these are folks that have been to the training 15, 20 years, some of them, and they know a great deal about meteorology. So it's always fun talking to a group like that, that has such a depth of knowledge, such a depth of experience going out spotting storms. They've seen pretty much everything. And so our goal in those sessions, especially with Johnson County, is still to get them maybe to learn something new every year. And so that's really our goal every year that we, that we um, instructed Johnson County. But this year it was different. It was virtual, had to be virtual. It wasn't our favorite way to do it, but we'll be back next year. I'm quite confident in that. And can you talk a little too about um, that group of, of people that these are volunteers who just happen to have a, an interest and a skill or passion for, for severe weather, is that right? Yeah, our, our relationship with Johnson County ECS goes back decades. Uh, where we work with this group, uh, we train with this group, and uh, like I said, we activate the EOC uh, for severe weather, and that's that's the group we rely on. Um, we usually have uh, around two people that come in uh, to the office during severe weather. Those are called our net controllers. They're coordinating with the spotters who are out in the field. Um, we get anywhere between uh, five or six on some some of those short notice events to. You know, a day like May 28th, where we could put uh, 20 people out in the field. And those people are, are using um, ham radios uh, to communicate uh, back with the net controllers and the EOC what they're seeing and um, what they're seeing in the, out in the field. Uh, Andy uh, uh, mentioned that on May 28th, the tornado, uh, fortunately, uh, missed Johnson County. It missed it by about 200 yards uh, when we went out to uh, just to make sure that, uh, you know, we weren't missing anything out there the next day. And um, what was fascinating is during that uh, event, while the tornado never made it into Johnson County, Andy had a, had a great point. Um, it was so close. We actually had three of our storm spotters who were able to see it. They were just sitting there uh, just south of the storm itself and were able to look up north uh, into it. I think, we, I think we had three uh, just in the DeSoto area that we're able to look up north and, and see that. So those guys provide us, a, you know, a valuable service, uh, able to, you know, corroborate what uh, Andy's group seen on the radar, and uh, just give everyone a greater picture of what's going on. Because if they send us a, a storm report, uh, the spotters that is, you know, we're able to work with Andy's group, and able we have multiple ways of sending them uh, that storm report. You know, whether it's uh, through, a, through a chat service or uh, or over the digital radio, uh, we can send them that storm report to give them a better idea of what the storm's doing on the on the ground. That's great, um, and such an important part of of all of this, like having those those eyes on the ground, and then also having that expertise, you know, in in an emergency situation, looking at radar and whatnot, so everybody's informed and has as much advance notice as possible, so that they can take shelter. Um, and I don't want to miss the 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 most important information really for our listeners is what do they do um, and when do they do it? So can you talk about, you know, whether it's sitting there watching television and seeing a, a storm approach, how quickly do you need to, to take shelter and what's the best form of shelter for you and your family? Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, first thing they need to do is in, you know, it, like I mentioned before, it's Kansas. We need to expect severe weather throughout the spring and summer months. First thing they need to do is they should just check the forecast every single day. They could be drinking their morning cup of coffee and get an idea, are thunderstorms forecast today? If so, about when? Is there a risk of severe weather? Do I need to be concerned with that? 
And then if there is a risk of severe weather, they should have their means of receiving that warning, whether it's through, uh, what do you call it, JOCO? Uh, notify JOCO. No, notify JOCO on their cell phone, right? They need to have that with them. If it's weather radio, they need to make sure that's functioning. Um, they need to have their way to receive the warnings. When the warnings are issued or when it's time to seek shelter. Now, maybe the storm is still 20 minutes away from them. It's not the time to grab your phone, run outside and take pictures of it. You need to get in your shelter immediately. Um, and the types of shelter we tell people is if they have a basement, get to the basement, get under something sturdy. It might be the stairwell, it might be a workbench, might be a pool table and stay there until the storm has passed. If you don't have a basement, get to the lowest level of the structure you're in to an interior room, preferably something without windows, maybe a closet or a bathroom and, and stay there until the storm has passed, just like in the basement. And a lot of people will say, well, if I had that tornado that hit Linwood two years ago and F4, I saw some of those houses were just gone. I'm not gonna stay in my house. I'm, if I know there's something that big, I'm gonna get my car and drive away. It's really a bad idea. What they found in, in down in Moore, Oklahoma, where they've been hit by three F5 tornadoes in the last two decades, that, that almost nobody has basements down there. And even people without storm shelters survived by getting to the interior room without windows and getting as low as possible. Maybe they're pulling a mattress off the bed or cushions off the couch, using it to kind of protect them from the debris. But even in our most devastating tornadoes, seeking shelter in the proper way is your best option. You don't want to try to outrun it, drive, outdrive it, whatever. Um, there's a good chance you're just going to get stuck in traffic or, or not make it. Your odds of dying go way up if you're in your car as opposed to being at home sheltering. Now, are there things that you should keep, you know, in your shelter, your basement, in case there is a tornado? So I, I've heard things like making sure you have shoes because there could be debris, things like that, water, or any other supplies that you would recommend? Trent may want to uh, um, talk about this as well, but I would say definitely the shoes are often overlooked. If you're going down there in the middle of the night, maybe your weather radio or your phone woke you up and let you know about the tornado, a good chance you're going to go down in your shelter barefoot. If you have some old tennis shoes or old shoes of any kind, you're going to be so glad you have them to put on if, if you have to walk up out of the debris. Second thing is it's helpful if you have a, a radio down there, whether it's an AM FM radio or preferably a weather radio, so you can get updates as to where the storms are at and, and where they're moving. Certainly a couple of flashlights are also handy. More times than not, I mean, you're, we're talking sheltering a matter of minutes. I don't think I'd be all that concerned in my home about stockpiling water and food because, you know, if, yeah, I'm not going to be stuck in buried in the debris for like eight days, like a third world country after an earthquake. That's not really reality here. Um, so the main thing it would be is how to get, how are you going to stay abreast of current information? Do you have a way to see if it's dark and are you going to be properly protected if you have to walk up out of there? That's, those are the things I would be concerned with in the shelter. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, I just follow with what Andy said, you know, especially the issue of the, of the uh, sheltering uh, overnight. Uh, you know, if it's if it's during the evening or during the day, uh, a lot of times people will be more up to speed with the ongoing situation. You know, if there's a storm that's uh, out west of them and headed this way, they'll they'll be able to note or they'll be able to, you know, see that whether it's on uh, local media you know, or on social media, they'll be more aware of that storm. It's during those uh, shorter notice events where, you know, you're alerted when your weather radio goes off and you just have short amount of time to grab, you know, your phone on your nightstand, wake, wake the kid up, grab the dog, uh, 
and go downstairs. That's really those events, you know, that you want to have that, uh, those, that extra old pair of shoes in the basement. So you're not having to go back up and grab stuff over and over again. And, and Andy brought up a, you know, a great point. It's, um, you know, those things you want to have in the basement or in your shelter are, are really that ability to, to generate light, to flashlights. You know, if you have kind of an old, more disposable uh, cell phone charger, those are great to have, especially if you lose power during an event, just make sure you keep your cell phone charged up. And, uh, you know, preparedness looks different to other people. You know, there are some people that, um, you know, that have their three days, their 72 hours of food, water, and all that stuff. You know, that that's not necessarily what everyone needs um, uh, in their or in their shelter. A lot of times, you know, that's we encourage everyone to have those that 72 hours of food and water in their house. But it doesn't necessarily mean, like Andy said, that you need to have it, you know, down in your shelter, rotating that food through. Um, because, you know, if, if your house was impacted, especially uh, by severe weather, you know, that's that's more of a, an event of hours rather than rather than days for that immediate uh, recovery response period. So uh, the, the flashlight, a way to charge your uh, cell phone or make sure your cell phone's fully charged in, in that event, you know, shoes and just some other physical protective items are great to have in your shelter. All right. That's great information. And I noticed that, you know, the National Weather Service is very active on social media. So I know we certainly follow you all and, and share your messages and information, um, especially when, when there are storms approaching. So any other place uh, you would recommend that our listeners go to get more information about preparing for severe weather? I would tell your listeners that they can search us on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for National Weather Service Kansas City. And uh, there, we're going to be sending a lot of information out during Severe Weather Preparedness Week, certainly, March 1st through 5th. You can also go to our website, which is weather.gov forward slant KC for Kansas City, and uh, get the latest forecast, but there's also a link at the top of the page talking that goes directly to our severe weather awareness information. It's a COVID-specific issue that's come up, okay. and uh, I just wanted to take a second, and, and maybe Andy will reiterate it a little bit too, that during uh, ac an actual severe weather emergency, such as a tornado warning, uh, even during uh, COVID-19, it's important to remember to still take shelter uh, um, following uh, the COVID safety protocols as best as possible. Uh, you know, when you're in your household, it's not as uh, big of concern. But, you know, when that tornado warning actually uh, occurs, it's important to remember that maybe, you know, uh, to take your mask, hand sanitizer with you, but to actually seek shelter, uh, you know, during the off chance that that, uh, that tornado warning actually occurs. Yeah, Trent's absolutely right. If you're weighing the risk between the tornado and catching COVID, I'll take that chance and, and get in the shelter and stay safe from that tornado for sure. And that's kind of what we're encouraging businesses and organizations to do uh, during severe weather awareness week. Because like Andy said, it doesn't necessarily make sense uh, you know, to empty an entire building uh, right now down into their severe weather shelter. But for some of those uh, safety planners for different organizations, you know, it's a great time for them to review those plans and to incorporate uh, COVID safety protocols into, into their sheltering plans. Maybe that's uh, having uh, extra, a few extra cases of disposable masks in their shelters. So when, you know, uh, if someone um, didn't have a mask with them, a uh, mask could be handed out, making sure that those, um, that those locations have uh, the ability uh, as best as possible to, to socially distance when you're in there and that's a great idea. I mean, great uh, reminder to have that weather radio for you. So when, you know, the, um, 
when the warning clears that people can get back out of there uh, as quick as possible, try to spend as little time in there as possible. But it is important to remember that when that, uh, you know, when that warning happens that we, that we do need to seek shelter during that time still. Great information for sure. All right. Well, thank you both again. And thank you for listening. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JocoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jocogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.